This is the Kitzer of Sicha Beis in Parshas Chukas and Chelik Yitches, page 239. The Rebbe begins with a Yalkut where it says in the Pasuk in this week's Parsha, that Only if you touch a mace are you Tomei, but the mace himself is not Tomei. Then it says, Tomei, the Bena Shunamis, which was revived with Chiyas HaMesim, is not Tomei either. Amru, and then it continues there, speaking about the Ben Ashunamis. And the question that Rebbe asks here is, these two points here in this Yalkut seem to be saying the same thing. Because the Morgan Abraham says that when it says that the mace himself is not Tomei, what's the relevance of that? For Lasset Lovoy. After Tchiyas HaMesim, the mace himself does not need Hazor from the Paraduma to be Metayr himself. He, he transmits Tomei, but he himself is not Tomei by Tchiyas HaMesim. If so, by the Ben Hashanamis, it's the exact same thing. The Ben Hashanamis is a child that was revived through Elisha with Tchiyas HaMesim, and he's not Tomei after Tchiyas HaMesim. So what's the repetition of these two things? So the Rebbe here brings the Gemara in the end of Nida, where it brings questions that Anshay Alexandria asked Rabbi Shur Rab ben Hanania, and the Gemara calls it Gimel Divrei Buddhist. The first question was, Ishtay Shaloit Ma'o Shetetame. The wife of light, which turned into a piece of salt, would she make people tummy? The answer is no, she's not, she's a piece of salt, she's not a mace. Then they asked, Ben Shunamis, Mao Shiitama. The Ben Ashunamis, after Tchiyas Amesim, is he Metama people? He's alive, he's not Metama. Third question they asked was, Mason lost at Lovet, Srikha Mazosh, Lishi, Shvio, Ain Srikha, Amalanda, Kishiyu, Nechkam Lahem, Ikid Amrik Shiyava Meshrabenu, Imoem. Regarding Tchiyas HaMesim, after Tchiyas HaMesim, do you need Hazor for the, for the Mesim that are now alive or not? And he said, we'll see then, when we'll be wise then to know what the Allah is, or when Moshe Rabbeinu comes with them, we'll know. So the Rebbe says, even though the Gemara refers to their questions as Divrei Burus, but if it's brought in the Gemara, and these Tanayim were having discussions with these people, there must be something Alpitaida that's here in their questions. So, what is, what, so we have to understand what all these questions are. And then, you look here in these questions, it seems like the second question is literally a repetition from the first question. After Rabshu Mechanani says that you have to be a mace to be metama, not salt, so the same thing applies to Ben Ashunamis, which is not a mace, but alive. So why are you asking the question again? The Mepharshim asks, why are they asking the question from the Ben Ashunamis that happened by Elisha, and not from the Ben Atzarfis, which Eliyohan never revived? Another question is, if he didn't know the answer, so why doesn't he say, I don't know, the answer to the third question? He says, when, when, by Tchiyas HaMesim, then we'll know. And then in the second version, Moshe Rabbeinu. Why Moshe Rabbeinu? Usually we rely on Eliyahu and Navi to answer all questions. And he says the term Imahim. What does the term Imahim mean? So the Rebbe says, the first thing we have to know is when it comes to the halacha of Tumas Meis, there are two requirements. The departing of the soul from the body, and then there is the existence of the dead body, that the Chalais is Chal takes effect on this body. And there are different halachas here. Regarding the, uh, the neshama leaving the body, it has to fully leave. Klolos achayis has to leave from the body, not just one aver. Regarding the body, this has to be a body that's intact, that's still in existence, similar to the way it was when it is alive. Those are the two basic halachas that we have to know as an introduction to understanding the questions of Anshay Alexandria. Here the Rebbe explains the three questions, that all three questions were based on a different, different point. The first question regarding Ishtay Shalait, the Rebbe gives two explanations. One explanation is it's based on trying to understand what was the nature of this miracle. Was the miracle that every single moment she was, the miracle was superimposing this, this existence of her being soul, but really 
the nature of this still being a dead body of a human being is still there. If that's the case, so maybe the Thomas May should still apply. Or no, this is a type of miracle that completely changed the whole being. She was before a dead body, but now she's an Etziv Melach. And an Etziv Melach, there's no Tumis. It's, it's a miracle that happened once and totally changed her. That's the basis of the Sophic that they had. The second way that Rebbe explains this is, they were really asking about, let's define the source of the Tumah of Tumas Meis better. When we say that the Siluk, when the Neshama departs from the body, that brings about Tumah, is it the actual occurrence of the soul leaving the body that generates the Tumah? Or it's the result. Now that the soul left, it leaves you with a dead body. That's the, the, the source of the Tumah. If it's the occurrence of the soul leaving, so by Nitziv Melach, even though right now it's a Nitziv Melach, but that occurrence of the soul leaving happened with this entity. So therefore the Tumah should apply. But if it's the fact that you have the result of the dead body by the Nitziv Melach, you don't have that result of the dead body here. So Rabbi Shur Mechanani said, you have different svaris regarding Nisim and regarding how you define Tumas Meis, but it's irrelevant regarding the Alokha. The Alokha B'Payal is, you have to have something which the definition of, of Misa could apply to it. When you have something which could be alive or dead, so regarding that, the whole concept of Tumah exists. By an Etziv Melach, whatever the fact is, right now it's an Etziv Melach, so therefore the whole concept of Misa doesn't begin Bechlal. Salt is not dead or alive. So therefore the whole concept of, of, of Tumas Meis does not apply ever. Then the, 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 the explanation of the second subject that they had regarding Ben Ashunamis was, here they wanted to understand regarding the Nishama departing from the body. Right? So their question was, that over here, specifically by the Ben Ashunamis, so what happened is, Elisha went and gave life to the child, not that he returned the child's soul, he gave from his life to the child, a new soul from Elisha to the child. If the soul that was taken from the child was returned, so then I would say that the Siluk Achayis was now returned, undoes that occurrence of the Siluk Nefesh before. But in this case, the nefesh of the child never returned. Elisha gave a different chayis to this child. So maybe in this case, I say that the silica chayis, that occurrence, was never undone. So maybe there should still be Tommy over here. That's the question. Or, even though it's a different chayis, but nevertheless, now that he's alive, it annuls the occurrence of the silica chayis before. And again, Rabbi Shurim Hanani is saying to them, however you look at it, it really doesn't matter. Either way, once the child is alive, the chayis itself takes away the tumah. Chai is metana. So therefore, it doesn't make a difference how you define this Indian. So, and the Rebbe explains that the reason for this is because the whole concept of Tumas Meis is Exodus Akosov. And as we can see this in the Yalka, the Yalka tells us that the Meis himself is not even Tome. He transmits Tome. He's a source of Tome. But he's not Tome. What does that mean? Because it's Exodus Akosov. It's not because he's Tome, therefore he transmits Tome. Just like water itself is not Tohoid, and therefore it's Matayar people. So therefore, the Chayis, the fact that now he's alive, even if it didn't necessarily undo the occurrence of Silik and Hashama before, but nevertheless, now that he's alive, there's no Tome here. Exodus Akosov does not apply. When it comes to the third question that they asked by the Mason Lost Lobby, whether they need a Zor, when they're going to buy Chiesa Mason or not, so here it's a different type of question. Here, the question was not regarding whether the Tumas Mesa before continues later after Tchiyas Mesa. It definitely doesn't. We already said, once you're alive, there's no Tum anymore. The question, though, was whether I say by Tchiyas Mesa, the person touched himself to become Tomei because of Tumas Magov, touching a Mesa. 
And this will depend on how Trias HaMesim happens. If Trias HaMesim is Ebesha creating a whole new body and there's no remnants of the body before, so then he didn't touch anything. So there's no, there's no Tumas Maga. But if the body was there, that was there before, there's a remnants of it, and it touched that remnants, which the Ebeshter builds from that remnants, the whole body, so then it touched that little part, and then it, so therefore the Tumas should apply. And the Rebbe brings over here in the Gemara and Sanhedrin that compares Trias HaMesim in one analogy to the Ebeshter creating the body out of mortar. So therefore that means that there's something that's left, and the Ebeshter is building that. And then another example that the Gemara gives is the Abishter building the body like glass that breaks, where you melt the glass and there's nothing that's left. That seems to be a Trias HaMesim, which is completely new. So that's the question over here, whether there's Tumas Mage or not. And the Rebbe brings an example from a mission in Kalim, where you find this concept of Tumas Mage in such a scenario. That was the basis of their question. And what Rabbi Shur Mechalani was, was telling them is, so for this we're going to have to wait to see at Trias HaMesim, how Trias HaMesim happens to determine the answer to your question. In the second version, when he said that Moshe Rabbeinu will answer this, this was really a completely different question. They were not asking about Chiyas HaMesim in general, they were asking about Chiyas HaMesim of the Meisei Midbar. Because by Meisei Midbar, there's Machlekes between Rabbi Loza and Rabbi Kiva, whether they're going to be Zeichet whether they're included in Chiyas HaMesim. And the Rebbe explains the Machlekes, they're not arguing whether they're going to come to Chiyas HaMesim, but they're arguing whether they'll be included in the regular Chiyas HaMesim. Usually, Chiyas HaMesim happens through the Etzen Luz that remains intact, and from there, the Abish to build the rest of the body. So Rabbi Loza says the same is with Mason Midbar, that's how it will happen. And if that's how Tchiyas Mason will happen, so then you should have Thomas Maga here. The Etzem Luz is large enough to be able to create a Thomas Maga for the rest of the body, which will be constructed from this Luz. But another opinion is that Tchiyas HaMesim, Rabbi Kiva says, Tchiyas HaMesim by the Meisei Midbar will happen, that they'll, they'll be completely disintegrated. And it's the Medrash calls this Tarved Rekev, a spoonful of like dust. And from there, the body is going to be constructed. Tarved Rekev is, there's no Tumas Maga that applies to this. So therefore, Rav Akiva was saying, but not their, their body will not retain the Etzem Luz. That's what's different about them. That was the question. And therefore, the answer is specifically regarding Meisher Rabbeinu coming with them, because Meisher Rabbeinu, as the Medrash says, was left in the Midbar to be together with his generation that he took out of Mitzrayim, and he has to be the one to come with Tchiyas HaMesim together with them. And therefore, if Meisher Rabbeinu will come together with these people, so then we'll know that just like by Meisher Rabbeinu himself, his Tchiyas HaMesim was with the Etzim Luz that was intact, his generation that's going to come along with him will also know that their Tchiyas HaMesim was from the Etzim Luz, like Rabbi Loza's opinion. But if Meisher Rabbeinu does not come with them, so then we'll know that their Tchiyas HaMesim was like Rabbi Kiva's opinion, and therefore there's no Thomas Maga. That was, that's what the question was. So now the Rebbe says in the Medrash, in the Yalkut that is, by the ben, ben, when it brings up the, the, the halacha of the Ben Ashunamis, it's adding something very important. Because this that it says that a mace himself is not Tomei, he's coming to tell you that there's Exodus, a Kosov, that the mace himself is not Tomei, he's only Metame. By the Ben Ashunamis, it's coming to tell you a whole different thing. This Ben Ashunamis, even though he was revived at Chiyas HaMesim, there's no issue of him touching himself and being Tomei. That's what he was trying to say. That regarding this Ben Hashanamis of touching himself. And the reason is because by the Ben Hashanamis, there is no two entities here. There is no uh, Luz and then the rest of the body that's being constructed on the Luz. The whole body of this child that was revived was intact the entire time. Or the Rebbe says we can say that by the Ben Hashanamis, 
there's, there's this, he's really a, a completely new Metzius. Before he was dead, and now he's alive, and therefore there's no Magad. You can't say that one entity is co- being constructed on another entity and touching it. The Rebbe concludes over here with another pshat on this subject that we can say that specifically the Anshe Alexandria asked this question because they had a problem. They were living in Mitzrayim, you're not allowed to live in Mitzrayim, and their heter was that they arrived to Mitzrayim not with the plan to stay there permanently. And then they ended up staying there permanently and they were relying on the fact that since they originally came temporarily, so they could now stay. And the question is, if the matzah later changes, could they still rely on the fact that they came temporarily? And this was also the basis of these three questions. When you have a situation where, where the, the wife of Light was, was a human being and she dies and she should be Tommy, but now the situation changes. She's in a tziv melaf. Do I look at who she was originally or do I look at who she's now? Or by the case by Ben Hashanamis, it's not such a radical change from who he was before when he was dead and now that he's alive. So do I say that that Tuma continues? Do I look at who he was before dead? Or, or do I look at the change that now that he's alive? But don't forget, he had a new soul. So that's a, that's a very strong change. So maybe the Tuma should not continue. And then you have the case by Tchiyas HaMesim. Do I say that the Tuma of the Mesim continues lost love because it's the same person, Mamash. It's the same Guf, the same Nefesh that's returned lost love and therefore maybe it should continue. That concludes that Kol Yisrael Yeshlam Chelek Loilam and therefore, even though from what we've discussed here it would come out that we would need Azal Lasad Lave since it comes from the Etzim Luz and there should be a Tuma of you touching yourself in that Tumas Mace. But nevertheless, the Gemara says, call the Mishtamish Bar Taira, Ur Taira Mechayeu, or another version, Tal Taira Mechayeu, that the source of Tchiyas Amesim comes from Taira, and if it does come from Taira, so then the Taira itself will purify you at the time of Tchiyas Amesim.